consider what to give. Um, we are continuing our series of David. I think it'll be here eventually. If not, we're just going to stand beside the TV today. Hey, there it is. Um, we're continuing our series on David. And over the next three weeks, Luke and I were like, hey, um, the cat's away, the mice will play. And so we are actually, I'm, can I move this, Luke? Because I'm assuming it's somebody's way. Um, sorry, everybody over there. Um, we are going to be doing a little bit of a series, uh, a mini-series on Psalms because we thought to ourselves, what has one thing that David gave us um, that's not a story because there's some real fantastic and, int- fantastic and interesting stories through um, David's life, but what he gave us is the book of Psalms. Now, I'm going to uh, read a quote, and I know people will be brave, and they're going to yell out what movie it's from. <sighs> It's not going to happen, is it? Life is pain, Highness. Anyone that tells you differently is selling you something. Hey, two of us, Princess Bride. The oft quoted in biblical Sunday sermons, Princess Bride, Wesley says to his dear Puttercup, Life is pain, Highness. Anyone that says different is selling you something. This life is difficult. This life is painful, and evidently we don't really fully understand that. There is so much pain that goes on that we don't really understand. Princess Buttercup has lost her loved one, and he's standing, staring her in the face. She doesn't know it. And he says, look, life is pain. And then she pushes him down a hill, and it's a bit awkward moment. And then she runs down the hill and flops down the hill as well. Very exciting scene in The Princess Bride. Um, But it is true that our life is pain, and and there is pain that we're going to experience fully through this life. Um, I'm going to give away a lot of 80s and 90s secrets about myself today. So here's the next one. One of my favorite bands is U2. Yeah, here we go. Come on. Welcome online. I'm sure you all yelled that as well and heard that as well. But U2, fantastic. In their U2 album, War, they started with this song, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. And it was remarking on the Protestant and Catholic and the attacks of the British on the Irish. And they sing this song, Psalm 40, at the end of that album. And what U2 has done is... At most of the ends of their shows, they sing this song that's at the end of the album war called 40, Psalm 40. And what Psalm 40 is, is based off the first three verses of the Psalm 40, verse 1 to 3. And what Bono and the crew do is sing this song, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted up, he lifted me up out of the pits out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He made my footsteps firm. Many will see, many will see and hear. And he says, I will sing, I will sing a new song. I will sing, I will sing a new song. And today we're talking about the Psalms and the tale of two Psalms. And the miry clay is one place that we're at. And then he says, I will sing, I will sing a new song. And then what does everybody sing at the end of those concerts? They sing, how long, how long to sing this song? 
How long will we have to sing this song? How long will we have to hope to come out of the miry clay and into the hope that you have for us, God? Saint Bono. Beautiful song. And a beautiful way to end a difficult, difficult album and showing us that this life is difficult. Over the last two years, I've walked through a number of times, and as well as you have through this time of COVID, I know some of you have lost loved ones through COVID, either to COVID or just in general. Marriages have been strained. Families have been worked over. Heroes of ours in the faith have fallen. And it becomes very difficult to continue to walk through those difficulties. I've talked to my friends a number of times, and a friend of mine in Calgary says every single one of his friends is feeling the weight of this life right now. Every single one of his friends is feeling that difficulty, feeling that pain, feeling that weight of what's going on. Friends are losing their marriages. Lives are being lost. And now at the end of it all, we see Putin's war, a continued senseless loss of life. I've gone through these stages of grief. I didn't even really know about the stages of grief. It's like we've all looked at the seven stages of grief before. But whenever something happens, if you remember back two years ago when COVID started, you remember the big long lineups outside of Costco and like, where are we? What are we living in? This life is crazy right now. What's happening? The more difficult idea of the George Floyd case and the 215, all these revelations coming out of the two, last two years weighs heavily on us. And I see myself going through these seven stages, the shock and disbelief. I remember the first time, it wasn't obvious long ago, the first missile I saw hit in Ukraine. And I was shocked. We have an instant world. We can see things instantly. I was shocked. I was in disbelief. And then I was very much in denial. A mentor of mine has fallen recently. Far way away from here. But not far from my heart. And the denial that I have instantly when I hear the news is straight up to not. I just think, no, that's not possible. Because then what happens next is to have the anger. And I get mad. And I think, what are you doing? Why are people doing this? Why is this life this way? And then you bargain. And you say, what can I do to fix this? And there's guilt. And there's depression. There's a lot of heaviness that we've been through the last number of years. And David gives us a voice. The psalmist gives us a voice through prayer to deal with these things. There's one more stage of grief that I'm going to get to, but I'm going to get to that later. Our life has been up and down, and we have a tale of two psalms. And David has given us a voice, and David has given us a voice to talk these things through. David has given us so much, and that one of the greatest gifts that he's given us is permission to let loose in our prayers. I know that David did not invent the Psalms, but he has given us so many examples of pouring out our heart so that we can see his prayers as a platform to jump off when we're beginning our prayers and petitions to God. David not only gave us a voice of prayer, David gave Jesus a voice of prayer. 
Jesus constantly prayed the Psalms. On the cross, Jesus prayed the Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I feel like you're so distant. Psalm 8, 22, 31, 35, 37, 41, 69, 78, 82, 110, 118. Quickly write those down. <laughs> Jesus prays the Psalms. Jesus gives credit to those Psalms. He allows those Psalms to be something that we can do. We pray through the Psalms. If you pray through the Psalms daily, you would be on Psalm 80 today. I've had these stints of life where I'm like, I'm going to pray a Psalm every day. And what happens when you pray a psalm every day? You're allowed to go through a gambit of emotion. Whatever emotion you feel that day, it doesn't matter because you pray the psalm no matter what your emotion is today. If you're feeling down, you read a joyful psalm. Perhaps you're feeling, you're feeling pretty good, you read a vengeful psalm. Why am I reading this today? Well, you just read it. But what we do when we read these things, there will be hope and there will be joy and there will be faith and there will be love and there will be sadness and sorrow and pain but what we do is we put these psalms in our mouth and we make them a mouth and a word of our prayer. We can take these psalms and we can, we can form them to what we need them to be for that moment and we can pray them as something. Some psalms are sweet and some are sour and some are bitter. I want to tell you something though. Prayer isn't always sweet. Prayer that is always sweet, please hear me properly, but prayer that is always sweet is not honest prayer, it's posing. Um, this morning on the podcast, we ta I talked about Psalm 23, I decided to like just kind of jump around a little bit. And uh, that's a sweet psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. It's something that we can go to always and it just lifts us. It's so beautiful. But prayer isn't always sweet. It's actually posing. You know, the biggest insult I could have ever gotten in the 80s and 90s was you are a poser. <laughs> First time I ever bought skate shoes, someone said, you're a poser. Ah, that hurts. But they were right. But I like the shoes anyways, so I bought them and I kept them. It's tough when someone calls you a poser. Even not that long ago, I was wearing a shirt and it had a certain brand on it. And that certain brand was for... I guess surfers. I do not surf. I do not. <laughs> but somebody who was not a kid, a bit older, said, are you a poser? I said, excuse me, am I a poser? I guess I am. If that's your definition of poser, I suppose I am posing right now. That hurt me. It hurt me a lot. It cut me deep, but I kept on wearing my sweaters because I only have three and I got to keep wearing them, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but what we don't want to do is we don't want to pose before God. We don't want to give him something that is not real because if there's someone that can look through that, it is God. He can see through that and he wants us to not pose. He wants us not to just continue to give him sweet prayers. He wants us to give him honesty because he sees it and he feels it and he hears it and we got to give it to him. There's at least two dozen different types of psalms, actually. Now, we call this the tale of two psalms, but we're going to get to two psalms later. But we call it the tale of two psalms, but there's actually a tale of 20-something psalms. There's laments imprecatory psalms, praying for vengeance. I pray those every once in a while. 
There's the royal psalms, the historical psalms, the repentance psalms, the praise psalms, trust, wisdom, petition, rebuke, thanksgiving, pleas for justice. They're singing about Zion on their way to Zion, on their way to Jerusalem, the glory, the joy, the pleas for the enemy, the pilgrim psalms. That's me. I'm a pilgrim. That's my last name, by the way. Pilgrim, thank you. Thanks for coming. Welcome if you're new. Um, the complaint psalm, the cries for helps, the temple worship, the exile, the covenant, the protection, the victory. There is a vast amount of psalms, but these are not academic theology. These are songs of suffering of a hopeful people. C.S. Lewis says, he points out that psalms are poems intended to be sung, not doctrinal treatises nor even sermons, and they, are must, and they must be read as poems to be understood. Psalms are not typically the voice of God addressing us. This is the different thing about the book of Psalms. The Bible is the voice of God addressing us. The Psalms is the human voice addressing God. Stopping to take a moment to address God. Yes, God does address us in the Psalms, but also it is mostly us addressing God, saying, how long must we sing this song? How long must we be here in this pain? They aren't a perfect theological sonnet, but they are a prayerful human speech. Have you ever noticed in your super sleuth ways that the book of Psalms and Proverbs are right beside each other? Yeah, yeah you know it. And if you only have ever gotten one of those New Testament Bibles, they always give you when I was, again, in the 80s, they gave them to us in my school, in elementary, they gave us those New Testament Bibles, and I always had the Psalms and Proverbs in them. So in my mind, I thought they were the same thing. Ugh, uneducated fool I am. The Proverbs and Psalms are directly beside each other, but they really couldn't be much more different. The Proverbs are in order and together. They're orderly and stable. They are Proverbs of the royal and elite. Have you, I'm more of a, have you ever noticed, have you ever heard a preacher say, you can read one psalm a day for 31 days and it fits perfectly into a month. Amen. Psalm, Proverbs, not psalms. Proverbs fits first perfectly into a month. It gives us that order. It gives us that, that longing of, of, of some kind of order. And it's fantastic. And it is good. But sometimes I'm a February 28th, maybe February 29th kind of person. And I just have a bit of disorder, as you can tell. I have a bit of disorder about me and a bit of disorder in my prayer life. And it gets confusing that Proverbs are Proverbs of a king. And they can see things as a fully lawfully, fully rewarded those who, they reward those who do well and, they, and those who break the rules are punished. This is a stable world for a royal elite. The good guys are blessed and the bad guys are punished. Proverbs 11.8, the righteous person is rescued from trouble and, falls, and it falls on the wicked instead. Amen. Proverbs 11.21, those that sow righteousness will surely be rewarded and those that sow evil will be punished. And this is ultimately true. Let us know that. That is ultimately true. But sometimes in my daily life, it doesn't look like that order is following. I find myself drawn to the Psalms. 
I think most of us can relate to the up and down lament and praise and crying and joy more than we can relate to the order, the royal order of the environment. Most of us are not descended from royalty. We're not in the safe confines of a royal palace daily. We are thrown out into this world this past two years, the difficulty that we've seen. Now, I do like to go back into the Proverbs to give myself a bit of order, to give myself a bit of a check, be like, yes, things will work out. But right now, we find ourselves in the Psalms. One of the absolute greatest gifts that King David has done is given us the avenue of pouring out our heart in anguish and joy and frustration and sorrow and pain. David has given a voice to those who are on top of the world or those who are hitting rock bottom. The Psalms give a perspective from the bottom, from the outside, from the, full, from the poor and the forgotten. The Psalms give us a prayer of, of the unpredictable world. It's so easy to find ourselves longing to be in order when the reality is we have pain and we have suffering. And that voice that he's given us, the voice that David and the psalmist have given us, the innocent to cry for justice, is good. Walter Brueggemann says this, the psalms are not for those whose life is one of uninterrupted equilibrium. Such people with uninterrupted equilibrium should stay in the book of Proverbs. The psalms give us a vocabulary for honest speech. A few Christmases ago, maybe eight, I had decided that I was going to watch another movie. That was that Fiddler on the Roof. Anybody seen it? That's a long one. I thought I'd sit down for a few moments and watch a movie three hours later. But wow, I was so drawn by Tevye. I was so drawn by him. He's absolutely amazing. Now, I'm going to do my very best impression. Please do not be offended because it will go into different accents along the way. We'll probably get some French, Australian, South African in there as well. Batevia walking with his horse just before the Sabbath. And the, fiddler, and the fiddler on the roof says this, Dear God, did you have to make him lame? Just before the Sabbath. I had a really horrible accent. <laughs> I have a book that I read to my kids that I can really get that accent well. It's not working today. It's okay. That was nice. Dear God, did you have to make him lame just before the Sabbath? That wasn't nice. It's enough that you pick on me. Bless me with five daughters. A life of poverty. That's all right. But have you got, what have you got against my horse? <laughs> you can put this on, uh, on Instagram if you want, Luke. This is a fantastic. <laughs> Dear God, I'll get started again. I think it's on here too. There we go, look there. Dear God, so you can read these. Did you have to make him lame just before the Sabbath? That wasn't nice. It's enough for you to pick on me and bless me with five daughters, a life of poverty. That's all right. But what have you got against my horse? Really? Sometimes I think that when things are too quiet up there, you say to yourself, let's see what kind of mischief I can play on my friend Tevia. 
It may sound like I'm complaining, but I'm not. After all, with your help, I'm starving to death. Oh, dear Lord. You've made many, many, many poor people, and I realize, of course, there's no shame to being poor. But it's no great honor either. Would it be so terrible if I had a small fortune? I know, I know, we are your chosen people. But once in a while, could you choose someone else? <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. When I record the podcast, it's just about 70 takes, just like that, trying to get them just right. But anyways. But really, that prayer is so honest and straightforward and saying, God, look, you've blessed me with five daughters. That's not a blessing back then, just so we're clear. And I have daughters, I love them, big blessing. And a life of poverty, it's all right. But what have you got against my horse? What mischief can you play on my friend Tevia? It sounds like I'm complaining, but I'm not. But after all, with all your help, I'm starving to death, dear Lord. You've made many, many more people, of course. <sighs> it's a tough, tough life sometimes. And it's okay to be honest. It's okay to be honest. And that is what David gives us. He gives us this voice to be honest and to say to God, I'm not happy here. This has been tough. Bono woo, says the gospel and the blues. There's two types of psalms. Out of all those, really, you can sum them down to the gospel and to the blues, to the praise of the worship and to the blues and the difficulties and the pain. Psalm 137 and 138, finally I'm getting to the text, is what we're going to be talking a little bit about today for the next few minutes. When God gives us these psalms to pray through, it's a beautiful thing. It's about the gospel, and it's about the blues, and it's about being able to worship. It's also being able to be about, being about sad. Psalm 137 is the most famous blues that we know. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. We remembered where we came from. The, the Jewish people had been taken out of their land, much like we see today. We see people coming to the borders in tears, walking across the borders, not knowing if they'll ever be able to go back home again. The Jewish people have been taken out of their land, and they sat and they wept when they remembered Zion. They remembered their home. They remembered the place where their God dwelt. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. The willows, the weeping willows. Call them weeping willows with that in mind. By the rivers of Babylon, the weeping willows, they hung up their harps, they hung up their guitars, and they wept. They couldn't play anymore. If you play a musical instrument and you love a musical instrument, you know that musical instrument brings you joy. You come in here on Sunday morning and you hope, I'm going to worship today. And then Zach says, clap together. And you're like, I don't want to clap today, Zach. No clapping. I'm sad today. Let me be sad. 
The Jewish people, they were sad, they were distraught. They were hundreds of miles away from home and their home had been destroyed. They hung up their harps and then their captors asked for the songs. They said, sing us those songs. We want to hear those songs that are so famous. They demanded a song. They said, sing, sing one of those songs of Zion. How can we sing those songs of the Lord while we are in a foreign land? The pain that happens, how can we sing those songs? That's the voice that the Psalms have given us. If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. That is a line. If I forget you, may my right hand forget its skill. I don't want this life anymore. I don't want to be able to do the things that I have if I don't have a home anymore. Can you imagine what people are going through in the Ukraine right now? They are feeling this pain. And David gives them a voice to to speak this pain. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. This is one of the most heart-wrenching songs ever written. And you can feel it. You can hear it. And it's okay to pray this sometimes. It's okay to pray this when, when you've lost loved ones, when you've gone through pain, when you've gone through hurt. It's okay to pray like this. As Canadians, we loathed to lament. It's a line by one of my favorites, Brian Zond. He says, as Canadians, well, he said Americans, so I'm going to change it a bit. As Canadians, we are loathed to lament. We don't want to lament. We don't want to show our true emotion. Walter Brueggemann said, we are schooled in denial. Those stages of grief. We don't want to know what's happening. We don't want to know the reality of life. We want to push it away. We want to push it as far as we can because we want to deny It's one of the pathologies of the rich that sorrow is seen as weakness and therefore must not be expressed. Let me say that again because it's one of the pathologies of the rich that sorrow is seen as weakness and therefore must not be expressed. Instead of giving expression to pain, we are scripted to hide our pain and cover our sorrow. When a lament is given, It gives way in the place of the heart of the psalmist. What happens now is that when this lament is given, something changes. And then we have Psalm 138 come along. And we think, what happened? So if if you've read ahead in your life, which you ain't today, which you haven't, I presume, what we're going to get to is Psalm 138. And Psalm 138 shifts from this pain to joy and to hope? And what happens? If you've ever come home from a a tough day and you've gone home to your partner, you've gone and you called a friend on your way home, put on the Bluetooth, man, I had the worst day today. You kind of just unload to that person. Something starts to, to, to relieve in your heart a little bit. Something starts to open up and you're like, okay, I can breathe now. I can take a breath. Perhaps life hasn't changed. Perhaps scenarios haven't changed, but I could talk to someone about the pain that I'm going through. The psalmist in 137 is hundreds of miles away from home. Home has been destroyed. Life is, as they know it is over. But as they give this psalm, as they give this cry of pain, 
Something happens. Psalm 138. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. Before their gods, I will sing praise. Before their gods, I will sing praise and I will answer my phone. There we go. It's okay. Mine was ringing over here earlier. I could hear it, you know, buzzing. But I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. He is still there. They are still captive. But before their gods, I will sing your praise. Something has happened because he's a, he's a, this, this psalmist has given it to God and said, look, this is the pain that I'm going through. I'm going to give you this pain. I'm going to be completely honest before you. I'm going to tell you everything because I cannot pose before you, God. I'm going to show you what I have. And then this happens. The morning turns to praise. Verse 2, I will bow down and towards your holy temple. And I will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you, have, you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. There is hope out of pain. I talked at the beginning about the stages of grief, shock, disbelief, denial, anger, bargaining, guilt, depression. But what's the last one? Acceptance and hope. You have to go through those processes of those six very difficult stages in order to get to hope. The Psalms gives us that voice of pain and dejection and depression to get us to hope. I will bow down towards your holy temple and praise your name. Even though the temple is gone, I will still bow because I know that you are alive, God. It brings us inner strength when I call, you answered me. You're great emboldened, you've greatly emboldened me. There's a new strength that we have when we're honest before God. I didn't put down verse 5 and 6, so you've got to trust me on this one. There's anticipation. May the kings of the earth praise you, Lord. When they hear what you have decreed, may they this, may this sing in the ways of the Lord for the glory of, the, of God, the glory of the Lord is great. Trust me. May, they, may the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear that you have decreed. May they, they sing in the ways of the Lord, for the, God, the glory of God is great. There's anticipation going forward. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees from afar. God is with us. Though I walk through the midst of trouble, you, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. Your right hand, you save me. There's a new spirit, a new attitude, and circumstances have not changed, but your pers perspective has. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. You do not abandon the works of your hands. At the end, this psalmist understands that the verse has yet to be penned in, in, in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for, those, for the good of those who will love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
Psalm 137 is pain, and he gives that pain, and then he realizes that, God, you still love me. There is still hope. There is still acceptance. There is still you living with me, and I know that everything that is happening is going to work out for your good because you love me and you care for me, God. It doesn't necessarily change what's happening around, but it changes our perspective. Give God your pain. Give God your anger. Give God your vengeance. And he will change it into a beautiful, beautiful symphony. (laughs) Amen. If you're online, you would not have heard those mic'd up beautiful tones of 35 different voices ringing telephones. But it's good. We need to draw close to God because He is the one that we can be safest with. Today in the podcast, last time I swear, I'm not going to promote it anymore. But today in the podcast, you walk through Psalm 23, you're close to God because in the darkest valley, in the most painful time, when you are closest to God, you are the safest with God. If you choose to go off on your own, if you choose to walk away, that hedge of projection will not be there. It's not because he doesn't want it to be there. It's because we walk away. We need to walk close to God. Our circumstances may not change, won't change, but they'll be with God. And that is the best circumstance to be, is to be close to God. Because we're all going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But when we're close to Jesus, we don't need to fear evil. Because this life is just temporary. And his future is so good. So that's why at the end, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And they're going to play U2's 40. No, they are not. (laughs) I tried really hard. But I'm going to end with it. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifts me up out of the pits and out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and he made my footsteps firm. Many will see, many will see and hear. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. But how long must we sing this song? And how long must we sing this song? Let's take a moment and bow our heads. I want us to feel free for a moment. To open our hearts to God. To pray a Jewish prayer. To tell God what's in our hearts. There's no posing before God. So let's take a moment before we sing just to tell God where you're at, good or bad, gospel or blues.
Father, feel it's right that before we thank you for hope, we thank you that we can be honest with you. Before we thank you for the love and the healing that you will bring, and you always do, you bring us love and you bring us hope. We thank you for this voice of prayer that we have to be honest before you. Our life isn't going as planned. You are so, so good. To allow us, to allow us this platform to jump off of when we were at the rock bottom. Let us not forget in the end your hope as we step out, step out of the miry clay and into who you are for us, Jesus.